0: This is Dominique Beaumont. this is episode 50, and you are listening to Season With Salt, the podcast. What's up, what's up, this is wildly episode 50. First of all, milestone in itself, really, 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 really blessed to have a podcast To have so many people listening to it, um, and then just to be able to share parts of my life and people be interested in it is is really cool. So thank you so much uh, for joining. My 50th episode is primarily going to be about my 40th birthday. So... Everybody has been asking me, like, what are you going to do for your birthday? And I'll be honest with you, like, a year ago, I was going to Europe. um, And as time has gone on, I've gone from going to Europe to going to Jamaica to going to Mexico. Then I was going to, like, forget Mexico because they got COVID there. I'm going to Vegas. And then it was like, forget Vegas because they got COVID there. So I'm going to Los Angeles. So Los Angeles it is, and then I'm going to go spend some time with my family. Because one thing, too, okay, so I'm not good at being a birthday person. I have a lot of anxiety around birthdays. I'm not the type of person that has, like, a whole crew of friends. And so I'm not going to have a party or... um I just, I don't know, I've always been weird about birthdays. I think I have another episode where I talk about that, so I'm not going to go too deep into why birthdays are weird for me. But I knew that 40th birthdays have to be celebrated correctly. And so I knew I needed to take a week off of work I knew I needed to be intentional and I knew I needed to do something that brought me joy. And so I love traveling, I love hotels, I like going to places that I've never gone before. I love traveling alone and I love my family. And so um, it's a gift um, and a blessing um, to be, even though it doesn't always seem like it, to be in COVID because you really are able to kind of focus, right? Like there's not 99 things to do, and so you have to make choice of things that matter and that um you know aren't just you getting drunk and passing out somewhere, but just really creating experiences and moments and memories that last. And so that's what I'm hoping to do. Um I thought that um, I wanted to just share like some of the things, some of the life lessons that I have learned. Um, I think if you know me, um, you know some of this, but I think I'll share a little bit about like who I am as a person and how these life lessons came about for me um, as briefly as I can, because maybe it's a long story, I'm not sure. Um, but I grew up in foster care. My mother is a severe schizophrenic and a loving person. Um, but she essentially was incapable of raising me and my brothers and so we um and we lived in some very loving environment. So it wasn't like we were there there were some that were challenging and then there were some that were very loving. So fortunate in that regard. Um but, uh, as a result of that, um, I had a very turbulent tri- childhood and it's only by the grace of God that I made it out of my childhood. I mean, I, I'll be honest with you, I wasn't even sure I would last or live this long and not because I was like suicidal or anything. I just did it. I could not survival, like, didn't seem much of a reality to me because, I was wrestling and warring against the statistics about people like me, right? Black, male, foster child, you know, like all of the odds were essentially stacked against me, but God's grace um, is just amazing. And so I think that um, God up until this point has really ordered my steps and um, one of these days, maybe I'll get to write a book or something, but that I guess he have to be interested in that. but I just thank God for all that He has allowed me to experience, and even though um, it has not been easy, um, it has been worthwhile. and sometimes you cannot see well, a lot of times you cannot see the beauty of conflict and struggle. Um, until after you have endured it. And I thank God that He allowed me to endure things that I didn't think I could survive. And because of that, and first of all, um, it took me a long time to come to the realization that my experience wasn't really about me. Um, and sometimes we become victims of our experiences because we don't understand the power of our experiences to help other people. Um, and so I really didn't experience liberation until I was able to use my own experience to empower and inspire other people. And then I was like, wait, okay, cool. That's why I had to experience that. And I'm not gonna go into ED. I don't wanna incriminate the living or the dead. <laughs> And so I'm not going to go into any specifics, but God really had to open my eyes to that. And so I just thought, I'm going to make a podcast. I'm going to talk about my own experience. I'm a ramble. I usually talk about something in the Bible. I just feel like um, my life, it has been directed and ordered by God. And one of the things that's kind of funny because people assume a lot about you just based on how you how you carry yourself. And I'm not, I've heard people like, or people have asked me, are you this, are you that, are you wealthy, are you, you know. It's always humbling to me to just consider like what God has allowed me to become in light of everything that I've experienced. And so one of the things that I never want to do is cause people to feel like I've, I've accomplished so much that I'm disconnected from how I got here. And I don't think that you can ever get disconnected from where you've come from. And so I just want to share a couple of like really key lessons that I have learned in life and maybe a few experiences that might motivate you, I pray. Um, the first thing that life has really taught me is that the greatest triumphs begin with simple risk. When I'm thinking about the risks that I've taken in life, a lot of them came as a result of like not feeling a connectedness to the, some of the things that other people feel connected to. Like it's easy for me Um, I was pretty much, you know, being a foster kid, like, I had to find somewhere to go when I was 18. And so not having anywhere to go, but wanting to be, um, you know, wanting to continue my education, like, I was willing to go wherever somebody, (laughs) you know, was going to pay for me to be. And I thank God I, I had, like, $18. I had... Um, fortunately, um, the the system allowed for me to live um, with my uh, foster parent uh, until the day that I graduated. And after I graduated, um, I essentially like lived with my mother in like her four hundred square foot uh, apartment in Seattle, Washington like, for a whole summer trying to figure out where I was going to go to college, what I was going to do, I didn't have a job, I pretty much, like, lived on, like, money that I got from graduation and money that my mom would, like, gather up to to give me, and when I got accepted to the University of Oregon, um, I had, like, $20, like, on me. And it cost $36 to go to the overnight orientation where you go and register for your classes. And like, and I remember like my mom, um, like, I don't know, she borrowed from her neighbor or something like that. But we found a way to get that $36 so that I could get on the train um, to go to the University of Oregon, all the way in Eugene. I don't even know how much of a train ride that was. But I I just that's one of the the things that has happened in my life where when I got on that train, whether it was to go to that orientation or to actually go and be a student at Oregon, I just had very little. I had no no parent drove me there, nobody helped me unload a whole bunch of cute stuff from Target, from my dorm room. Like, I didn't know anybody. I arrived on the campus by myself. I walked from the Greyhound station to uh, the residence hall. Um, And for me, that just represented a risk. It was very hard. It was very um, draining for me. Um, But it was something that I knew I had to do for myself. I knew I had to do it for my brothers. I also think about um, when... Um, after graduation, I had applied to, I decided I was going to graduate in four years rather than five because I was just over it. And I applied to these grad schools. I couldn't, um, I didn't get into any of the graduate schools that I applied to. And I decided that I was going to um, try to apply for a couple of jobs. So I applied for this job at Southern Oregon University um, being an admissions counselor. And I remember, like, interviewing for that job and getting the job and then calling me to tell me that in order for me to get the job, I needed to um, produce a driver's license. I was 24 years old and had never gotten behind a wheel of a car at all. Like, <laughs> and I accepted that job. And I remember taking the train or the bus from back um, to Eugene, Oregon and figuring out a way to get somebody to teach me how to drive because I had like a couple of weeks, not just to learn how to drive, um, but to <laughs> get my driver's license. And and I just think about all those experiences. When I, I worked at Southern Oregon University, it was a great experience. I drove... Everywhere, my first job allowed me to get a rental car like every weekend, which was just beyond me. And so I um, worked for that job for a year, and I just knew that that wasn't for me. The place wasn't for me. The job wasn't for me. That I just knew that it wasn't for me, and that I had to take another risk. I had to be independent. I had to figure out what to do next, and. I applied to graduate school again and ended up getting into, like, Georgia, Southern, and uh, UNLV, and I think one other place. And so I had never even left... I did not think I had even left the state of Oregon or Washington at that point. Maybe, like... And I just... I, had, I know I'd never gone to Las Vegas, but I decided that that was close enough so that if something happened, I could always, like get on a train and go back to my mom's house. Um, and so I went to UNLV sight scene, same experience. I had never gone to Vegas. i never, I, nobody like, packs me up and drove anything. I didn't have anything but like, a suitcase. Like, I went to Vegas. Um, I flew there um, with a suitcase and uh, found a guy on What was it whatever the Craigslist I found a guy on Craigslist that was written in room and I when I got off of the plane I had made an appointment to meet him and the craziest thing and we're talking about taking risks is that I he I, I was praying that he was cool and that he wanted to be my roommate because if he didn't want to be my roommate I really didn't have anywhere else to stay that night and so fortunately, I mean, just God, like, worked everything out. And I think a part of it was not carrying the fear of, of like, wanting to, like, not being afraid to take risk. And uh, even I'm able to boast having a graduate degree and, and, and going to the University of Oregon, but all of those things happened because God made me fearless in certain areas because I really had no other choice. And um, I think that that's one of the life lessons that God has, whenever I'm confronted with fear, I remember that it's, be, it's overcoming that fear that has allowed me to experience so much triumph. I think the other thing that I have experienced or that I would say, um, or I would advise or give advice to people is that turning around or recalibrating is not quitting, and sometimes we are we're told that like if you start something you gotta finish it. Or if you wanna be something, you gotta stick it out, you gotta see it through. And I wanted to be a journalist. <laughs> like there's a lot of things that I wanted to be. Um and I had these sort of voices in my own head that were people who were naysayers in my life who would make me feel like I had to like prove something to them by sticking things out and doing things that I started just because I didn't want people to call me a quitter or just because I didn't want to be a statistic. And the reality is is there are some things that I did complete that were a waste of time, right? They weren't really what I wanted to do, but I ended up doing them because I wanted to, I didn't want people to think that I was a quitter. In hindsight, and of course hindsight is always like 2020 20, right like i wish i would have stepped back and said you know what like it's okay to it's okay to reconsider whether this is for me it's okay for me to admit that i made a bad decision when i started this and and just figure out a new way of being and i wish that i would have known that especially in my 30s like i wish i would have like really channeled that I wish I would have not just done stuff because I thought this is the right thing to do. Right. I, I would have done it, um, in wisdom. And also it's not so much the things that I did do and I have no regrets, but I, uh, I also just wish that there are certain ways that I did things that I would just go back and do differently. And so if you're in something if you're in the middle of something and you're trying to figure out how to navigate it, like, don't be afraid to turn around. Don't be afraid to take a moment where you just reconsider. Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? And I have, I've shared also before that um, I worked for 13 years in higher education and I feel like I was successfully like navigating the profession, and you know, I never took any backward steps. I mean, I took some steps that I like probably shouldn't have taken professionally, um, that I thought that I had to take. You know, maybe it was for more money or for more, you know, for upward mobility or what have you. Um, and so there are some feelings where I wish I would have kind of gone back and said, mm, This is not necessarily what you should have done. Um, but. I think that in hindsight, God was in it, right? And he helped me through some things and it really helped me to understand how strong I was as a result of making decisions that may not have been the best decisions. It also helped me to understand how strong God was in my life when he helped me to get through those things even though I don't know if they were the best decisions Um, for me. And so, um, I worked in higher education for 12, 13 years and I was working so hard and I was just being literally like verbally abused by a manager. And this person like used their power to like, I mean, it was a lot going on. And at the time, and even sometimes this time today, um, but I could not see that God was calling me to do something different. I could not see that he was calling me to transition because I was so overwhelmed by this idea of like what does it mean to be a 30, like a thriving 30 year old? Like I was watching other people's success. I was watching what other people were doing, and I'm like, there's only one way to be, you know, so I need to be making this money, I need to be flying places, I need to be doing all of these things. And I could not see that those things were not necessarily God's will for me. And he literally had to pick me up out of that situation in order for me to look back and say, ooh, that was, I should have left way earlier than I did. So I had started seminary and I was going to Fuller. I am still going to Fuller. And I started off wanting to go to Fuller because there was a Sacramento campus, uh, but they ended up closing the Sacramento campus right as I was being admitted. Um, And so um, I happened to be working in Pasadena and they were having this circle, this black male student seminarian circle at a restaurant this fall. And I was like, I'm gonna go to that. And so um, I um, arranged my schedule so that I could go there. And I went there and I was encircled by these 10 or 15 black men who were engaged in preaching and pastoring and teaching in the seminary. And they were talking about their experiences. And I just remember sitting there, I had very little to say. Um, because what I realized is that I had been forging a path in education as like my primary area, but almost like to the extent that I could not really fully be used by God, because I thought that that was the path that he wanted me to go. And really what it was, was this, period or season in my life where he was like, I want you to do this for this season. And then I was trying to extend the season beyond what it needed to be. And so I remember leaving that place, not feeling empty or depressed, but feeling like I was at a crossroad and I got back. to I think I was staying. I went to this event. It was like, I actually was at Ilford Niles and I went back to my hotel in Anaheim. And I remember laying in the bed, I was reading some scripture in the Bible about, like, leaving or somewhere, and I just, it was about leaving somewhere, and I fell asleep, and I woke up in the middle of the night, and I started reading that scripture again, and it was at that moment, it was just, like, so much clarity. It was like, it's okay, it it became really okay for me to admit that I knew I was going in the wrong direction. And I knew that I was in a situation that was not where I needed to be because I was pushing something that was not for me. I sent an email to my immediate supervisor that night and told her that I was going to be resigning and that I was willing to give a month's notice. This was after the relationship between me and this woman had resulted in her. I was traveling pretty much California, Washington, and Oregon recruiting for this particular department at UC Davis. And I came back from one of the trips um, for one day meeting and I went into this meeting and this woman said she was gonna suspend me. For three days, so I, like I mean, this life was just—it was just crazy. Like I, it, it's, just, it's not a work ethic thing or anything. It was just like I was in this warfare, and a part of it was me trying to make something be that wasn't. And I remember this just amazingly liberating feeling. I was telling other people, and they couldn't get it. They were like, "So you quit your job without having a job?" Just like, yeah, because when you, when you see when you can see clearly what God is doing, like you have this trust in him that you're like, mm, just I just know. And I didn't know what I was going to do, but I knew I had some time to figure it out and I knew God was on my side and I knew I was being obedient to him. And so when I'm talking about like taking a step back and recalibrating, that means like not feeling like you have to bear it all on your own, like realizing that if you're going to get refocused, if you're going to get on the right path, then you can trust God to help you do it. Right. And so I had this trust in God. I went from essentially I turning my resignation in November, early November. Uh, and I um, ended up uh, my last official day was like G- early January 2020. 20- 18, I believe, um, I actually didn't start working again, uh, and some of the stuff I've never told anybody, so it's kind of cool, I mean, I guess this is my podcast, it's a great way to do that, but I literally didn't, I didn't work from, uh, January, um, until May, um, and during that time, you know, I started to see God begin to cultivate in me, These I would go to church, you know, and, like, do stuff at the church, you know, that I was really passionate about, like, fix the bulletin board, like, hang out with the media director. Um, I did a little Postmate driving, which I thought was really fun. And I was, like, overly engaged in, like, marketing and, like, making graphics and sending text messages to the people that I would deliver stuff to. All this stuff, I was, and I couldn't see it, and I came across... Finally, I think when God was ready to, when God was ready for me to step into the place that he had intended for me to step in, I, like, was on some website and seen a job and I mean, I can't even, I I mean, if, if you know God and you know how he works, I really don't have to go into, like, the miracle of this experience, but... I think that God just needed me to refocus He needed me to He needed to pull me out of the thing that I thought that I needed, the thing that I put my faith in, and he needed to assure me that if I trusted him, he would take care of me and so that was a faith move. Alright, so I got through two of those things. The The third thing is that seasons are permanent unless you let them be. And that's what I'm talking about. Like, sometimes we make stuff, we extend stuff longer than it needs to be. We make stuff into stuff that it's not supposed to be. Maybe it's because we're comfortable with it. Like, I worked in human resources. I don't know why. I don't know why I worked in human resources. I have no idea to this day. I always think about that experience. For three years, I was an HR recruiter. I don't know why or how I was terrible at that. I'm terrible at paperwork. I'm terrible at all the things that um, that it, it surround human resources. The only thing that was my saving grace that God allowed me to be in that job for is that there would be disgruntled employees, and this is me. This is crazy because. I hadn't been ordained or preaching or anything. And what would happen is there would be these disgruntled employees that needed, like, some um, advice about moving into new positions and, like, working with, like, very difficult supervisors. And so the people from one of the departments that dealt with, like, I don't want to say bad employees, but employees that had difficult situations, they would come. I was in recruiting. They would come over to me. I can't remember what that department is called. Like, you know, people, people complain and all that kind of, oh, they have bad legal relationships. with. Anyway, so that department would send people to me to talk to me and ask me to talk them into like, you know, moving to other departments, thinking about applying to new jobs, like just kind of mediation. And like, I wasn't good at anything, but when I had gotten in those spaces of mediation and inspiring and encouraging those people that they would send to me, it was like I was in a whole different world. And I just, I thought about, like, so I would think about like, gosh, like this is a part of what God has called me to be or to do and is nestled in these experiences where I'm doing things that I'm really terrible at. And so God just began to open my eyes, like and he began to help me to see like what made sense to me, but eventually i had to I had to realize what I was good at, and I had to pull my I had to pull what I was good at out of that bad situation and move into the direction of executing according to my gifting and even though the money was good and there were good experiences. And I wanted to get, I wanted to retire from there and all this kind of stuff. I literally just had to get out of that experience. And the other thing is that when i left some of the situations, you know, sometimes you leave a situation and you might not have got fired or anything like that. But you didn't have a good relationship with the people there, so you might not have a a reference or anything like that. I would be so... um, Hurt by the experiences that I had with people, and I would carry that. I would sit in the store and walk the other way, or somebody would mention their name, and I would be going off. And what I realized is that I was extending that season. What God had for me in that season when I was working in human resources was that He wanted me to understand a gifting that I had that I hadn't tapped into and so when i passed that that class or understood that then it was time for me to be like thank you god for that experience but i would carry that the negativity of that experience across my life and god wanted me to let it go and 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 and, and, con- and to consider the lessons learned until we make some seasons permanent by carrying it in um, the way that we interact with people, our um, self-esteem. And and we have to be careful um, not to do that. So that would be my advice. Like, don't make seasons permanent. Don't carry bad experiences across experiences. Like, a season is a season is a season. And whatever you gotta do, the work that you have to do to let it go, don't let it run you. You manage it. I think finally, like, especially in this stage of my life, like, I, well, first of all, let me just go back and say that I didn't put the, I wasn't planning on saying this, but I I feel led to say that I have always been different from the people around me and um and I'm not saying this as a, from a from an egotistical perspective because I'm not sure it's always been good. It certainly hasn't always felt good. I've never been like the person that was in the in crowd, but I've always been relatively popular, and I don't know if that is and so that's not necessarily a good thing. sometimes it's for the wrong reasons um I have had a lot of experiences where like i am not I start off as the underdog, but like end is the favorite i 'm really talking about god 's favorite and the way that he's allowed me to experience things, and i'm often in situations where i 'm like, How did I become like the most unknown person to the like the person that people don't like like they know well enough not to like and i I realize that As you mature and as you become one with who you are, like you can't fight who it is that you are called to be and what that means. And I realize that there are lots of things in my life that I'm just not going to experience that other people have because God has called me to be different. And I, like I said, this is not out of arrogance. This, it is actually not, it doesn't, it, nine times out of 10, it actually doesn't feel good, right? Like when I see other people having like big birthday bashes and like, I'm just not going to have that because I'm not called to that. Like I've got what God has for me is, is a little bit different and I realized I, it was hard for me to realize that because I wanted to have what other people had I wanted to experience what other people could experience like I wanted the traditional the relic I, I felt like I was working so hard to to build a life that I didn't feel like I I was raised to to have right like I wanted to have like I wanted to like recreate a life where I had a silver spoon in my mouth, but that wasn't God's will, right? And so, like, I feel like all the stuff that I get, I don't know how it happened. <laughs> like, I'm just like, what? In the- how did this happen? Like, how did I, like, how? How? Like, and while I am wrestling with the how, I'm usually, like, dealing with, the- and I'm just being really vulnerable, but I'm usually dealing with impossible syndrome because it's not just how did I get it but I'm warring against people who are jealous or who are also wondering how I got it and so I'm confused they're confused <laughs> we're all confused and I have to come to the realization that that's just not going to change in my life like that there, there's a feeling that when I when I, I just I was thinking about this earlier today like when, when it, it just it just I just, I don't know if if this makes sense to anybody, but there just have been so many times where I'm like, I don't deserve to be here, but I am here, and I can't talk to anybody else about it because they won't understand because they have already decided that I'm here for a reason unrelated to why I'm here. Like, I'm somebody's favorite, or I have something that somebody else doesn't have. And I know that it's the grace of God. I know that it's Him moving in my life, And so I'm always at war with trying to tell people like, no, 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 you got this wrong. Like, I'm not, it's not like that. This God is in this. And and don't be jealous or don't look at me that way or don't don't think it's something that I'm trying to intentionally do. It just happened because that's God's will. And so that has been very, very, very difficult. Like it just, because I have to come to terms with it And then other people have to come to terms with it. And it's just, and so just, that has been difficult. And as I have gotten older, it's like, when is, when am I just going to show up somewhere? I'm going to be who I'm going to be. And it's going to be what it's going to be. And it's, and it's just, everybody's going to know, but that's, I don't think that's God's will for my life. So know who you are and know who God intended for you to be. And don't, it, when you come to the realization of something, like I've come to this realization that I'm not going to be in the inner circle because of the the ways that people get in the inner circle. It's not going to be because of who I'm related to. It's not going to be, be, it's going to generally be because of my work ethic and the favor of God. And I think that um, I had to come to terms with that, that it's, it's inevitable, but As long as God is in it, like, I don't need to be trying to manage other people's, just, yeah, I'm going to stop with that. But the final thing I think is birthed, uh, I want to give a shout out to my fraternity brother, Mike Thompson because he shared the scripture with me one time back when he was in undergrad and I was the alpha advisor that, like, really... Um, Like, I just have never been able to, like, shake. And it's Proverbs 16 and 3. And it says, commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. Proverbs 16 and 3. And that's, like, the scripture of my life. Like, commit your thoughts to the Lord. Commit your ways to the Lord. Commit your choices to the Lord. And then he will establish your thoughts. And I always have thought about how, when I was a little boy, um, I wanted to be a preacher so bad. I would call myself, I I would be playing church. Other kids would be like emulating like superheroes and I would be like, my superheroes were like bishops and pastors and... I would always think even when I wasn't saved or when I was in college and kind of backslid and I kind of I did backslide like I would still be like writing sermons and like emulating people that I've seen and all through that experience it would just be crazy to me because I feel like God was just in in those in those times, right? And when I began to yield to God and to accept him, it was like all the stuff that I was doing, all the thoughts that I was having about my life, God was like, I'm gonna put all that together. And I feel like, you know, in this stage in life, like the best advice that I can give to people is is to commit your ways to the Lord. And you might not um y- 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 you don't have to have it all figured out um it doesn't all all have to make sense like but if you can decide in your heart that whatever it's gonna be it's gonna be with god like he will honor that and i feel like yeah. one of the things that has kept me humble is that I know I don't deserve any of this. I know I don't deserve what I do have. I know it's by the grace of God. I know that it's his goodness that allows me to do and say and be and be at the table in places where I'm at. And so I don't take that for granted. Um, But I also realize that when I am positioned, um, that's my train of thought, but when I'm positioned to acknowledge God in my ways or plan or think about the future, I'm always putting God ahead of whatever I want to do. And that's not just in preaching or stuff that I'm doing at church. Like I want God to be at the head of everything that I do. I want God to be at the head of things that I buy because I, when they break, I want God to fix it. Like I just want God to be central to what I'm doing. I want to be focused in Him so that I don't have to worry about whether he's pleased with what I'm doing and I think that we all should have that focus we all should have that resolve that we're going to do according to what God wants us to do And I'm in this season where I believe wholeheartedly and God has already proven himself to me in so many ways that if you take care of God's business he will take care of yours. What do I mean by that? If you commit yourself to being who he called you to be and doing what he called you to do, and he gets the glory out of it, not you, if he gets the glory out of it, then in turn, like, he just takes care of you, right? Like, just, and I thank God for that because I'm a living witness that he will take care of you. He will take care of you. So anyway, this is longer than I anticipated for it to be. But I'm thankful to God for 40 years of life. I I hope I get more than 40 more years of life. Um, But I also want to see Jesus. Um, But I thank God for just all that He is and what He has allowed me to experience. And I honestly, I have not made, I've made a lot of, a lot, a lot, a lot of mistakes. I mean, there's some mistakes like most people that I'm never going to talk about out loud, but I know God's hand is on me. I know he spared me from things and I do not have any regrets because if I were to regret them, then I would not be giving God the glory for bringing me out of them, bringing me through them, bringing me around them. And so I just thank God for this, the life that he has given me, and I want him to know that I honor it, and I will continue to honor it by serving him, um, and by walking fully in what he has called me to do, and who he has called me to be, and I thank God for all those of you who might be listening, um, who might have impacted my life, and I might have impacted your life, Um, I'm thankful and grateful uh, to you for helping me to become... Um, Who I am I owe a debt of gratitude to my mom Um, Even though she is schizophrenic like she has demonstrated what it means to be a loving person like what it means to um, Do everything in your power um, To love and to care for your family and I'm thankful for my brothers and my nephews uh, my grandma Carrie uh, my family uh, my fraternity for sure uh, my chapter, um, uh, just, it just, just everything that God has allowed me to experience is by the grace of God. And I'm just grateful for it. And I love you all. And I want to thank you for listening to this podcast. And hopefully you'll share it if I've said something that inspires you.